My friend said to me, he said, I think the weather's trippy. I said, no, man, it's not the weather that's trippy. Perhaps it's the way that we perceive it that is indeed trippy. Then I thought, man, I should have just said, yeah. Let me tell you something you already know. I can see Russia from my house. Insanity is becoming the new normality. He's weird. He's misunderstood. He's totally cute. This is The Brian Suits Show. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is The War Room. Famous quote from a famous movie. AM 770 KTTH, You're listening to a Brian Suits Show replay on AM 770 KTTH. Serious. Always goes down. That's Way better. AM 770 KTTH, Brian Suits here. I, I, uh, there's a, there's a, we have one of those like honor break rooms where you, the, everything's in the fridge. I, I think there's your replacing the standard uh, vending machine or whatever. <clears throat> is there free stuff in that fridge? Uh, apparently you have to pay for it. Yeah. And, and um, there's a new thing. It's, it's a, it's, it's a grill. It's a big, like Texas toast grilled sandwich cut in four pieces, but two of them are Turkey and two are ham. And <clears throat> the, my hack this morning was to buy it and then put all the meat in one of the quarters. So that genius that worked out. Stroke of genius. M- minimal, minimize the bread, maximize the meat and cheese. Um, I always buy those Nature Valley bars. Oh no! But I'm trying to decide if it's a ripoff. It's like a little more than a buck. <laughs> when if you buy a box of those, how much are they? I can't do that. Yeah, uh, no, it's yeah. They they come out to like twenty five cents each. Breakfast <laughs> is my least favorite meal of the day if I'm in a rush. Yeah, because I just reach for something that's pa- packed with sugar and hopefully has a little bit of fiber in it. I don't. You know, now that I'm on my new sort of regime regimen, I, I don't buy that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And it's rare that I did what I did this morning, and mm-hmm. and, and that see something go mm, meat, meat and cheese. And um, how strict is it. your current regimen with your your eating and your your exercise and all that stuff? Because I I made some snacks last night and I wanted to bring them in today, but I thought perhaps you can't consume them given your discipline. What are they? They're called Muddy Buddies. Oh, no. It sounds chocolatey. <laughs> it's chocolatey, peanut buttery, buttery, delicious. You know, I, I, I was last year's old when I found out that uh, certain dark chocolates don't have sugar in them and minimal carbs. And so... Uh, I mean, that's like the real dark chocolate. Yeah. Though. I, but love it, I thought, oh, Cadbury dark chocolate, that's going to be good for me, right? No, it needs to be even more hardcore, non-sugary. Um, so, uh, yesterday, I, I mean, generally I, my, my big one meal of the day is between like four and five, five thirty or so. Mm-hmm. So I got home, uh, yesterday and I began prepping, you know, those stand up chicken roasters where you, you, you impale the standing chicken the best. on a, on a beer can, you know, full of, you know, half full of beer and then whatever vinegar, very spicy sure. and all that, right? And then you slow roast it, and and you know let, let it let it go slow. Just coat the top with pepper and rock salt and your spices, and it just runs down. And then then my my child person, um, I uh, uh, picked picked him her up them picked them up, but it's just one person. Uh-huh. And so she wanted to bake because she's in, on a baking thing now. <clears throat> and I said, well, okay, but I got to you know I'm roasting a chicken. And and she said, "Well, roasting is just baking. You, you're just using a different word." So she put a banana bread in, and then you finish the chicken at three fifty for like ten minutes, fifteen minutes. So that was perfect for her. So she made a banana bread, and guess what? 
Tastes like chicken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, let me, I, I said, you might want me to finish off and get that out of there. And she goes, no, 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 it'll be fine. And sure enough, she made, I, she crossed two streams. She made banana bread that tastes like chicken. Our daughters have similar tendencies where they, my daughter doesn't want to be told what to do in the kitchen. So she just takes the initiative and I'm like, that's not going to work out so well, but she'll do it anyway. She has to learn through the mistake rather than me telling her it's going to be a mistake absolutely that's uh, that's uh, the the best way to learn is to put a lot of time into like making crappy dough and then making crappy bread you know come out then then i'm like oh well hmm. but i like you did some cooking last night for the first time for the for the longest time my wife has wanted me to master one or two dishes that i can whip out during the week and uh, I did it last night. I made a creamy garlic chicken and mashed potatoes with some of those like Pillsbury biscuits in, in the oven. Uh, no green, of course, absolutely no, nothing good for you. So uh, all stopped. But I, I felt full of pride last night, Brian, for for whipping out the family meal, it, and it was it was glory. It needed a little more salt. It's a uh, it, it's an achievement. You know, it really is. It, and- it takes a long time, actually, if you're going to make. <laughs> Well, something other than frozen pizza, which is and, my go-to. And my, my daughter wants to work. There, there's a couple different uh, uh, restaurants that are looking for work. And, and you know, it's the summer. And I, I have no problem with her going to work at age 13 in a kitchen. And, and that's, I, they allow that? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> she, she, she might, might have be a problem 16. with it. She might be 16 on the form. Yeah. And and um, because I, I got to say, my my time in Pullman in, in a professional kitchen when I was at the Wazoo, uh, it, it it learning how to work in a professional kitchen and cook is a really really lifelong skill, and you learn all kinds of fun tips like how to sharpen a knife. Um, uh-huh. If you're if a knife is falling, you don't reach out and grab it; let it fall. A little uh, you, you you don't grab a hot skillet handle with a wet towel; it immediately turns to steam in your hand. Um, and then also you, you learn the very important skill uh, when when cooking and keeping the kitchen clean at the same time. Uh, clean as you go. Yeah, clean while it's hot. Uh, you know, let, don't don't waste the don't run the hot water till it's hot. And when you take something off the stove, uh, you immediately get water on it. A little bit of Dawn, tiny bit of Dawn, and then scrub it with a with a straw brush, plastic brush, you know, whatever. Uh, but clean is and then hang it up, and and so that someone else can use it. And that and that those are the things you learn in a professional kitchen. And I, I would absolutely, you know, I learned it when I was nineteen, twenty. Um, I, I would love uh, for for her to learn it at, at the age of thirteen. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach it, you know, to her, but she's concentrating on the bread and all that. But I anyway. think that's a great job for a young person. My, oh, terrific! My first uh, employment was with the ranch driving in Bothell. It's a rich family tradition. My dad also worked there in the seventies, and I, I worked behind the cash register. I never graduated to food preparation, but yeah, working in a restaurant all about timing cleanliness, getting things done, and what can be a high-stress environment, you know, where you got to churn things out, go, 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 and, and then uh, the relationship building. So, yeah, I think that's a... No, yeah, totally. De- you know, deliver, 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 deadline, deadline, deadline. And then, then you've, you put yourself in the place of the people sitting in the restaurant, and, and, and you realize, wow, all the times I've been like, where's our food? Where's our food? Where's our food? Th- that's all you care about when you're sitting at the seat. You, you don't want to... You, you don't really don't care about... The prep chef's drama, right. you know, that he and the waitress are breaking up today and they're both in the same. You, you really don't care. It was a bad time for Chris G to dump me at the beginning. Chris of the G? Yeah. She's, she's. Oh, is this your high school? Yeah, no, college. Love? Yeah. 
And she, she's from Brewster Island, but she lives down in California now. But, Did you get she, back she at her started, by doing bad things to the food? Started the the shift by telling me oh, nice. that we were done. I'm like, that couldn't wait till the end. Enjoy your day. <laughs> yeah. So annoying. And I mean, that that was my, my, that may be the reason that the relationship didn't go, you know, past uh, it's eight weeks. But, it, but it's because my, my first reaction was not, no, 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 we haven't, no. My first reaction was at the beginning, you dumped me at the beginning of the shift? It's sad, but I have tremendously fond uh, recollections of finishing a long shift at the ranch drive-in and making myself a burger with fries and and getting a chocolate milkshake and driving home and just thinking, job well done. Uh, there's, there's nothing better as a 17-year-old in life than that. Personally, to, to, that's how I feel. Uh, frankly, to my credit, we got together. The, the only good thing that's ever happened out of Facebook is that we, we reconnected because I helped her and her husband look for property in, in this one town. You let bygones be bygones? Absolutely. And, and because I would have dumped me after week two. <laughs> yeah, right. at, that, at that point in my life, she made the absolute right decision. Did you uh, tell her that? Oh, yeah. We, we laughed about it. I, I told her husband, yeah, she dumped me at the beginning of a shift. And he's like, get so her. Oh, my God. Man. Um, yeah, you heard him right. The spokesperson from the Pentagon, John Kirby, said, hey, don't go to Ukraine to fight. There's a war on. He really basically said that. I'll play it for you right after this. You're listening to a Brian Suit Show replay on AM 770 KTTH. So they're pointing to Tesla, and I don't know if this is something uh, that's reflective of Detroit catching up to Tesla and with a bigger economy of scale, but uh, Elon Musk is going to cut 10% of the jobs at Tesla. This this after, uh, did you, there was an internal memo that came out, and they know it, it's, it's going to get out. But uh, effectively, Elon Musk, earlier this week, in an email to employees, said, uh, yeah, you're going to come to work. Get your butt back to the office. Or, or find said. a new job. He Netflixed them. Perhaps a different career path in the whole thing. But someone's been making the Teslas, right? Uh, I don't think there there was no choke of, of those. But uh, So anyway, um, m- m- many many are pointing to the fact that he, he basically had over uh, you know 10 years free reign uh, and uh, as as a, uh, you know, he immediately hit the market with the highest quality car that many people had ever driven. Super expensive and all that, but you know, seeing seeing the money there, D- Detroit obviously takes some time, and they're <clears throat> finally coming around. Chevy announced that they're cutting the price of the Chevy Volt, which is like one of the but ugliest cars ever. It, but if you're looking for in all electric or whatever, then the the Volt uh, is now going to be cheaper. Still, I think overpriced. Uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk has a quote super bad feeling about the economy and needs to cut about ten percent of jobs at the electric car makers. This this comes on the heels of J.P. Morgan Chase uh, chairman. Wait, I have to sneeze. Yesterday, seeing a uh, what was the day? Economic hurricane uh, is, is coming down the pike, and then Elon Musk saying super bad feeling because you know what people don't buy during a recession. High-end items that maybe they, they don't need. And, and just look at the price of, of the overprice of used cars that two years ago would have blue-booked at 5000 bucks. Now, two years later, and 50,000 more miles on them, and, and you're asking and getting 6000 bucks. Do you think Tesla's on its way to being the Netflix of electric cars? It, it, it might be. They might get Yahoo'd. 
Yeah, I mean, you innovate, you revolutionize an entire industry, but then, you know, competitive capitalism, other companies come in and say, oh, we want a little piece of that. Yeah, because there, there's a new pickup. There, some some company came off, came out of the gate. Their first car is a all-electric pickup, it's a, like Radeon or whatever. It's a really good-looking truck. And I, I saw one, and I think it only comes in silver right now. I, I, I think one... I, I saw one on 405 months ago, and it might have been a demo or something, but it's a it's a really good-looking truck. Because remember, Tesla, was they, they debuted that futuristic uh, pickup, but it, it's never gone into production. There's a gigantic uh, waiting line for it. Then Ford comes out with the all-electric F-150. And that thing, is, uh, there's people selling their place in line. Uh, for the new electric Ford F-150. The people who got in early, put the deposit down, are now selling their place in line. You can do that. I still feel like I'm at least five to ten years away from buying an electric vehicle. The new ones average, what, fifty to $60,000? And just at my core, I'm kind of against and buying... those are releasing- baseline. So exactly baseline cars, and I'm against buying new cars in general just because they depreciate like crazy in the first couple of years. Can you even get an electric car for ten to fifteen grand? No, and that so exactly. That's why it's it's crazy. A lot of people are taking like for instance their Prius, and they're taking out the combustion engine and making it all electric instead of a hybrid, uh, and doing that with other cars. And in many cases, it's there's places that do nothing but put a custom power plant in your car. And it's still cheaper than you buying, you know, a, a new one. And and so I, you know, I um, it, it, where it makes economic sense, make your own decision. I will point out that here in the Pacific Northwest, we pay on average twenty six percent less than the national average for energy, um, and and be, because our grandfathers and grandmothers were wise enough to dam the rivers and to, to have the water run down channels through turbines that then generate electricity. And there's lots of water up here, yes. unlike uh, Lake Mead and parts of California. So it's a really weird thing. that. Uh, and, but, of course, if, you, if you're if you damned for saying damn um, these days. So um, there, uh, there is that. Uh, the, by the way, quick, uh, quick note, quick note. If you're still writing turkey on your checks, you're going to want to change that. Because I didn't know this. Uh, there's a process to change your name. You have to go to the UN, and the UN has to recognize it. So the and I'm a big fan of calling countries by what you know the locals call it. And like in the case of like China, you know we don't do that. It, Germany, they don't know what that means. That's not what they call it. But you know whatever. Uh, Turkey wants the world to refer to it as Turkiya, which is how they say it. Why is it called Turkey in the first place? Um, well, well, you see. Um, in uh, in ancient times, the guinea fowl, a really unpleasant bird, uh, was brought to Europe from Turkey, and it was called the turkey in Europe. So that's why. And then when when we discovered North America and said, "Out of the way, all you all, all you people that have been here for thousands of years," uh, we called the things that were flying around all over the place turkeys as well, but wild turkeys. I think it's smart because for English speaking peoples, like. What's going to change is the spelling here. It's T U R K I Y E is what they're rebranding it as, and there's two dots over the U. Turkey. But but whenever you hear the Which country of say. Turkey, it 
I don't know. Dare I say it sounds kind of silly. It's like naming your country donkey or something like I, that. So it makes sense to me why they would spell it differently because then you don't immediately associate it with the animal. And this specifically has to do with the fact that in America, turkey is analogous to idiot. You know, and I mean, bunch of turkeys. I get, who, who's you know? I think the seventies was a high tide. You jive turkey of turkey being you know uh and let's bring it back i i think they would it would be a lot hipper they would be a, a far hipper country if they say if they did say we're adding the word jive to our name so we are now we want you in the u.n we want you to call on us as jive turkey and then they, when we're on the security council and we rotate us ahead uh, we want you to recognize uh, the representative from jive turkey or something like that but they're that's not what they're doing it that's not how erdogan thinks it's because in, in America, this is what they said. <clears throat> uh, this is what uh, President Erdogan said uh, last uh, December. Quote, Turkey is the best representation and expression of the Turkish people's culture, civilizations, and values, close quote. Um, it may be more related to his annoyance of the country's unflattering association with the bird um, and as the country's geopolitical role grows. And this is it, it's funny. This is one of these things where uh, among Turkic people, it's an annoyance, uh, among Arab people, they're saying they're saying you know in America turkey means idiot, and it, it it means the bird that we the festive Thanksgiving bird that we eat once a year, and and they're full of steroids for growth, and the whole, it's really gross, um, but and it puts you to sleep, but, but they don't like the fact that behind when they leave the room or behind their back, everyone says you know turkey means Assad, so where they're changing their name to Assad. Uh, or something. So, all right, 100 days of Ukraine war, and we'll go back 100 days, and 90 days, and 80 days, and go over some highlights, lowlights of media coverage, and uh, more stuff. Then also, bottom of the hour, 800-465-8770. I, I just, I feel like those of us that get quieted and muted, um, it's because we're debating with people that don't know the lexicon, don't know how to debate about a constitutional amendment, certainly not the second one. Um, and uh, why did they why why did they boo Prince Harry uh, earlier this morning? That and more coming up. It's AM seven seventy KTTH. Brian Suits here. You're listening to a Brian Suits show replay on AM seven seventy KTTH. Vigilante. V V I J L A N D E E. Vigilante. Vigilante. Ornithorhynchus. O-R-N-I-T-H-O-R-H-Y-N-C-H-U-S. Don't be an ornithorhynchus, says Pierce County Sheriff's Department. Uh, Fox uh, Q13 with a story last night. about the, there, There's an outbreak, and this is a absolutely predictable effect. When when there are fewer cops because they can't retire enough uh, or fast enough from Seattle police or local. It, it's funny, falling behind, uh, beneath the cracks or between the cracks. Uh, falling be- between the ornithorhynchus of the news locally about S- Seattle police hemorrhaging, um, you know, veteran officers with early retirement, lateral, and all that. So is Tacoma. So are the sh- uh, county departments, King County Sheriff, uh, Pierce County Sheriff, losing a lot of uh, experienced deputies. In the case of like King County fire, it's a self-inflicted wound. Now that now that we're on the the ornith. The Rinkus Mianbi variant of the uh, the COVID. Glocus Apolma. The Glocus Apolma variant. Um, but, you know, if firing people that won't get vaccinated or even or boosted, you know, even though they'll take a test every day or every week or, or whatever, that's a self-inflicted wound. Losing cops is a self-inflicted wound. 
Uh, anyway, Pierce County saying, okay, uh, granted, uh, you have the right to protect your stuff, but just don't protect your stuff. Hannah, crimes are up, response times are slow, and police departments are understaffed. It's a constant conversation in western Washington, but some are getting tired of waiting for action. Today I speak to officials about why getting involved yourself is not the answer. A man in West Seattle using his drone to track down stolen cars. A Pierce County Council candidate looking for stolen property at a homeless encampment in Tacoma. And a man in Puyallup chasing a truck he said had his stolen motor. Stories Fox 13 News reported in one week. People want justice, but officials say taking the law into your own hands is not the best answer. We've seen cases where people go after car prowlers and then um, are, are nearly killed because the, the person turns on them. Casey McNerthney with the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office says things can go bad quick. OK, and, and before before the King County Prosecutor spokesman McNerthney um, uh, says this, let me let me just point out. And I think police know this as well as anyone else. Your cars, you're living if you've I've never had a car stolen, but I've had friends of mine who've, who've had cars stolen. And it is a gigantic P in the A, pain in the ornithorhynchus. Um, be, and also because a lot of times there's damage that you can't see because the people who steal it drive it like they stole it, knowing full well that they're going to pull over and walk away from their crime. At, at most, they're going to be nailed with uh, with joyriding. Um, and if if not, they're driving it to that crazy lot under underneath the uh, uh, on the f- south 509, the, the, the bridge of the Duwamish, as you're going south on 509, the, the drone guy has this footage of, it's a gigantic lot, homeless englampment, full of cars. And so, yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, the I don't blame anyone for looking out the window and seeing someone messing with your ride and going out there with a gun and generally i'm against taking the law into your own hands because i think it could lead to a worse outcome for the person who is victimized but i don't know if the story says this later on in the audio that you grabbed here brian there is a correlative between people taking the law into their own hands and laws on the books not being enforced because people feel helpless that's a big word you ornithorhynchus well, I'm trying, okay? But you have to concede that point. I'd go with correlation, but you went with correlative. There is a critical mass of frustration in the populace of laws not being executed or criminals not being sought after or petty crime just brazenly done with impunity. And so people go, I guess I'm going to have to be the law in this instance, so I'm going to get directly involved as this thing is happening because I call the cops and I, you know, they're understaffed, or I call the cops and they go, well, we're not really a- allowed to pursue that kind of crime. These oh, days. I know. Th- th- then there's that, and I understand it's not the cops' fault. It's your Correct. Democratic legislators that that said uh, since January 1st that the if the police see a crime occur uh, with and, and then a vehicle used for escape or whatever, they can't actually pursue the person. So, so um, <clears throat> you called nine one one because your car stolen. You're they're not going to drop everything to go chase that car because they don't they don't do that. And so, don't uh, uh, let's let's get back to the story before I play more. Uh, more saccharose. More saccharose. Um, because I'm a little remember when the guy in Tacoma ran out of his house, went to his neighbor's house, and gunned up, and and the spokesperson for Tacoma said. Oh, uh, don't do that. Don't defend yourself or whatever. And that, and that annoys me. If you're, you're possibly going to hurt yourself or someone else, or you're going to face jail time or 
civil penalty. And th- this is, uh, what's his name? The Pierce County uh, spokes dude, uh, Sergeant uh, something around. Killing his stereo system. We understand why people want to take the law into their own hands. It's a huge risk. You know, people don't see the training that police officers have. It's just not worth it. If you're, you're possibly going to hurt yourself or someone else, or you're going to face jail time or civil penalty from a lawsuit over stolen property. In the recent stories we covered, someone pulled a weapon out on a drone searching for stolen cars. The operator of the... And then they have a screenshot of as a guy's flying the drone over the the open-air chop shop underneath the 509 highway at the Duwamish. Um, uh, some guy aims a handgun at the drone. <laughs> I don't know what he thinks he's going to do. I mean, it's really far away. But, I mean, it's the criminality is right there in front of you. And we're living in a time when the criminal's are in charge. And, and I mean, I don't want to go all old school on you, but a recently early retired friend of mine in Seattle PD said in the mid nineties, um, he said, look, there's a storm coming. Uh, the momentum to saddle us is happening. And he said, the only reason this is a livable town at 4 PM is because of the things that happen at 4 AM, because there's no question who's in charge in Seattle. It's Seattle PD. That's the way it was in, in the nineties and two thousands. I would say WTO might have been the beginning of the change in momentum. Certainly, Chaz Chop Cheesecake um, uh, was the cliff that we fell off of. We just didn't know. We hadn't hit the bottom. We hadn't felt the effect yet. But the second the cops start saying to each other at the union meetings, Boise? Nah, Spokane. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's going to (laughs) be Coeur d'Alene for me. (laughs) Um, Or Billings. Whoever calls back first, Great Falls or Billings or Coeur d'Alene. And they're, they're making their exit plans. And we we didn't know it then, but we had fallen off the cliff. Uh, I mean, I've got good news and bad news of law enforcement. I'm not the problem. I obey the laws. Um, uh, and and I don't. I would never pull a gun on someone who's leaving. As I as I pull up to the house, as someone is leaving with my gigantic uh, cassette player, uh, my 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 old school Jive Turkey uh, cassette player, I'm not going to go inside and get a gun and say, "Give me my Jive Turkey cassette player." You know, I'm not going to do that, but, but, but life limb and all, and, you know, obviously self-defense, but man, I got to say, uh, your, your automobile, that's a different category. And I, I, I absolutely understand the temptation of someone who, who goes after someone who's trying to steal a car. So incident, the man trying to get his stuff back, got shot in the head by the suspect. And in the Tacoma case, the county council candidate shot someone who he says drove a vehicle toward him. Sergeant Darren Moss with the Pierce County Sheriff's Department suggests being a good witness instead of trying to solve the crime yourself. You don't have to get out and confront the person. You get your evidence on your phone and then call 911 and get us there as soon as we can. Moss says for anyone who feels like that. As soon as we can is a phrase that pays there. I mean, I, with all due respect to Sergeant Moss and the whole thing. And, and I got to say, you know, T- Tacoma has done a pretty good job of chasing people down for crimes. Uh, happening weeks ago if you recall this about a week ago four uh four women were shot and slightly wounded when a 19 year old as it turns out uh, shot into their car um the department said that the 19 year old man was arrested after uh, shortly after 5 30 p.m yesterday and taken to pierce county jail he was booked on suspicion of first degree assault uh so this was on may 20th and so i'm you know i'm, I'm glad that somebody is chasing these these 
guys down. That's that's great. It would be greater if they stayed in jail a little longer or, you know, ornithorhynchus. So. If I know anything, it's this. And that's brazen and deleterious criminal acts are salubrious for a civil society. Yeah. It's... I would... Vesicate. Corepiscopus. Nipophia. Nifophia. Hantish. Nipophia. Fifophia. That's all, I, that's all I have to say to you, Greg. Uh, we'll be back right after this ornithorhynchus uh, AM770 KTT. We're going to check your text for... Um, Propofia, Myfophia, as well as Gusco and uh, and Glocus. Uh, right after this, AM seven seventy KTTH. You're listening to a Brian Suit Show replay on AM seven seventy KTTH. You're listening to a Brian Suit Show replay on AM seven seventy KTTH. Before we get some uplifting news about Vladimir Putin. Producer Greg, of your kids, did you or do your kids go to summer camp? Uh, they have not in the past, but we're deeply considering it for this summer. Oh, that's awesome. One of my fondest memories is Camp David Jr. on the shores of uh, the pristine Lake Crescent in Port Angeles. Just a phenomenal place. Until you jump in the water. Uh-huh. And you, then they find out it's glacier fed and, uh, and all that. Well, down in the Bay Area, you know, uh, property can be pretty expensive. Can you imagine how expensive 2,000 acres uh, of uh, the Los Altos Hills, literally looking downhill at Silicon Valley, would be. It's almost incalculable. But the uh, Duvenek family, Frank and Josephine, years ago, they got married in 1913. Frank, world-famous artist. So he's wealthy beyond compare. And in 1913, property was less expensive. And so they go on a honeymoon. They travel the world in 1913. They swing through Asia. They pick up artworks with a dream that they're going to build a villa, a, a villa in the uh, in the hills so hidden, they call it a hidden villa. And it's spectacular. It was built in 1929. And they installed all the different artwork that they found. And they were, of course, very, you know, it's a Bay Area of their artists, super lefty. And it's a phenomenal villa, a Spanish colonial style, two-story Stucco walls, red tile. I mean, it's it's out of Condé Nast or some magazine. And and it is far away from any noise of the Bay Area. It's up in the Green Hills, Walnut Trees, gorgeous place. In 1945, Frank died and Josephine couldn't live there anymore. And so what'd she do with the 2,000 acres? She said, this will be every year a multiracial summer camp. And so the first... West Coast multiracial summer camp, free for kids, low-income kids. Sounds was, great. Was open. Sounds phenomenal, doesn't it? <clears throat> Fast forward to last week. Uh-oh. What's incoming here? Well, here's the thing. As the uh, Duvenex swung through India, they came in contact with many, many icons of Hindu and Buddhist culture. They were fascinated. Frank, as an artist, appreciated some of the ancient symbology, the simplicity of it, the geographic uh, pardon me, geometric proportions. And so he bought three 12 by 12 tiles. And when they built this phenomenal Lost, Lost Hill Villa, he installed them in such a way so that the rising sun would go through the tiles and cast the shadow of the symbol on the floor of the main foyer of the Lost Hill astounding villa. So what happened? <laughs> well, the president uh, who is african-american and some five other employees uh, with without ceremony or announcement uh they resigned last week 
And so because there's no time to uh, restaff the summer camp, it's off. Some 900 kids, low-income, multiracial kids from around the Bay Area. By the way, there's Palo Alto, that's Stanford. Then there's East Palo Alto. That that ain't Stanford. But it is a uh, half-an-hour drive from this phenomenal summer camp. But they can't go this year. Because the shadow that the tiles were casting, you see, was that of uh, an ancient Hindu symbol for good luck. Oh, I think I know where this is going. It was co-opted. It was appropriated by a certain political party you may have heard of um, in Germany uh, after World War One. They they go on if you to go bang bang pew pew uh, war here war there, and they slap the symbol on the side of their Messerschmitt one hundred nines or their Tiger tanks or Panther tanks. And in in German, the name for the symbol is Hockenkreuz or uh, bent cross. Or, but if you and if you have no context, you think that it's all that that this uh, Herr Hitler invented that. If you don't know the context, reveal the punchline. If you do know the context, you know it as the swastika. Yeah! Yes. So these people who bought Hindu tiles in 1913 installed them in their house in 1929, probably blissfully unaware that the Nazis had co-opted the symbol put that in their house, and the people who had been working there administering a child's, a multiracial child's camp in this phenomenal setting, they saw it and said, racist. That's a Wouldn't they Nazi just symbol. move to take it down and then go, hey, there was, this is a big misunderstanding. Put a There's painting over it. Historical nuance here that we have to talk about. I would pull the guy aside and say, you're the president of this foundation. You're unaware that he was a world-famous artist, traveled the world. You don't know the history of this place, uh, except they just accepted his, uh, his uh, resignation without, uh, and with this, with this announcement, the resignation of our camp leadership team on June 5th prior to the decision of the committee, blah, 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 put us in the position of making the difficult decision regarding camp. So that means no summer camp because of their racial outrage. Or something, but uh, yeah. And folks, I don't, I don't mind your well-educated racial outrage. Just uh, be educated. All right. So uh, yesterday, Vladimir Putin sits down with effectively the the, uh, the young engineers of the Russian version of MIT, and he thanks them for hypersonic missiles. And then uh, he goes on uh, to say this. Peter the Great waged the Northern War for 21 years. One could say he was fighting with Sweden and seizing territories. He wasn't, though. He was regaining territory. Regaining land and consolidating. That's what he was doing. Now it seems that it is our turn to regain land and consolidate. This, this may be an obscure reference to a six-foot-eight monarch of uh, of Russia uh, some 350 years ago. I mean, you talk about predating America. And I, this is one of these national embarrassments that we're just so bad at history. But uh, the quick version is that's very ominous. His, his exactly. re-reading of the Northern War. The, the reason Sweden took a 350-year timeout is because they lost the Battle of Poltava in uh, 1807. To Peter the Great and and his arm, it's a it's a bad scene. Do a deep dive this weekend. It's it, Putin did not reference some prior Russian leader who found the limits of his power. So the Macron promising the off ramp, lay off ramp, lay, lay ramp, do off. 
uh, or do, do not, uh, how do you say, I guess, humiliate him. That was bad. Oh, by the way, and I tweeted out last night the link to that video, if you speak Russian and care or whatever. The, the important thing to me is, go, go to the last 10 minutes. Does that look like a guy with cancer or, or whatever? He looks very relaxed in that he, setting. He just melts into seats. He's yeah, like, right. Oh, He's nice leaning question. way back. He looks very yeah. casual. And it is very disturbing to hear that, Brian, because I think a lot of us have been wondering, hey, is he getting tired of this war of attrition and all these dead bodies? And it seems like he's bogged down over there. And maybe he's thinking this is not worth it. Nope. No. In fact, he's hinting here that he has plans to go further, and we cannot drop the ball on this. We cannot get sidetracked and distracted by domestic issues when this is a threat that is not just looming, uh, but continues and is only going to get bigger if we're to believe what Putin says here. And I have a tendency to believe dictators when they tell you something. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's telegraphing exactly what his thoughts are, that when he says that Peter the Great didn't... Uh uh, you know, liberate new territory. He took back what the Swedes took, and the whole thing. And uh, you know, the, the without getting too deep in the weeds on this, the the next step is access to the Black Sea. You start that with the Battle of Azov after Poltava. It's what's crazy is in 2022 he's talking about the end of the Great Northern War in uh, in uh, 1707, and it culminated in the Great Swedish versus Russian Battle of Poltava. And you know what's getting shelled today is the city of Poltava. It, it's that's what's crazy is if you're a World War II scholar, then you're like Kharkiv. Is that like Kharkov? Why is yes, it is Kursk? That's right across the, the border. Kiev. That was a hell of a battle both ways. Go back further and look whether men are going to die for a battle of Poltava again. And so this is a different league than Americans can deal with. Um, is you know is this guy playing 4D chess? No, he's playing classic chess from a thousand years ago or 350 years ago um and 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 by the way peter the great stood on the the edge of the newly uh, russian-owned baltic sea and he said what a great place for a city a seaport in fact it's so great we should name it after me and so <clears throat> uh vladimir putin his hometown born and raised in saint petersburg uh, uh, the guy the guy couldn't be more obvious if he wrote it on his forehead or something uh like that isn't that right, kids? Well, we'll wake them up. All right, we will yeah! remember, can you beat a goose? An Englishman cannot. You're Americans. Go ahead and beat a goose. Uh, AM 770 KTTH. Thanks to producer Greg.